to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. And we're back with another edition of the Unicorns Podcast, and the feature interview today focuses on UBH Group. UBH is a veteran-owned Australian company at the top of its game, providing information domain services to government and defence. It's been profitable since its inception in 2020 and grown rapidly since then, with a team of 31 professionals with extensive defence force backgrounds. To explain what exactly information domain services are, and why the sector is booming. I'm joined by UBH co-founder and CEO, Jeff Batten. G'day, Jeff. Welcome to the program. Justin, great to be here. Thanks very much. UBH Group. What does the UBH stand for? Uh, it's a very good question, Justin. I do get asked it a fair bit. Um, so it, it's the letters of the three founders. So um, Jeff Batten, uh, uh, Greg Underwood, Dave Herbertson. Um, so yeah, it was uh, pretty simple for us to get those three letters together. However, there is actually something else to it as well. When uh, we did our Google searches to make sure that it wasn't taken up by another company or, or something like that, um, we also found out that um, UBH stands for Umbihexium, um, which is a molecule with a <laughs> what is that? Yeah, it's a it's a molecule with a molecular weight of one hundred and twenty six. Um, and whilst that might not mean much to uh, many people, it's actually one of the units in um, Special Operations Command, the 126th Commando Signal Squadron that we all serve together in. So Who knew? Uh, exactly right. You know, we tried to really go back to our roots and think about what, why we wanted to call the company what it is and having that really underlying meaning for us. Okay, so let's get into it. So what does UBH actually do as a business? So we provide information domain services. Uh, what is information domain services? So it's a combination of ICT or information communications technology, information warfare, cyber, and space operations or space domain services. And so then we also provide services across all those different areas. So everything from consulting uh, to engineering, test and evaluation, uh, training, learning and development is a really big part of what we do as well. Project management and operational support. And I guess the piece with operational support, which also forms one of our key accounts, is really the combination of a lot of that. So actually providing genuine real-time support, doing things like decision-making support for our various different customers. What were you doing before you co-founded the business? I worked for a, one of the largest US defense technology companies um, here in Australia, but um, I was essentially a sales and business development executive for about four years. Uh, and that was one of the first jobs that I had once I left defense. And it was lucky enough to do a range of different projects and um, pursuits across Australia, New Zealand, Asia Pacific, and e indeed even um, uh, the Five Eyes, so particularly the US, UK, Canada as well. And what was it that made you think to yourself, actually, let's set up our own business? Yeah, um, I guess after leaving defence, I think for a lot of us, we um, try to find who we are, what, what's next, what, what drives us. And I, I think it was the realisation that there was a lot of pressures, there was a lot of um, things that we felt while we were still in uniform that we could still either contribute to or try to actually improve. So it was actually for that deep desire 
to do good and go back in a different form, albeit in a defense industry perspective, but actually support and try to help. That's really what it was. So when we, when you were in the ADF, what was your focus there? Uh, so uh, when I joined, um, when I was 17 years old, um, I was allocated the Royal Australian Corps of Signals, which was essentially um, the technology hub or, or core for all of Army. So I spent essentially almost all of my adult life in technology. Um, and towards the later part of my career, I was very heavily involved in Special Operations Command. So it was really bringing those two key parts together. So uh, the Special Forces as aspect and then the technology aspect. So tell me about the business, what you do, your clients, your customers, your staff. Give us a sense of how it all fits together. Uh, yeah, so I'll probably give you an example of where we're doing a lot of support, particularly from a training perspective. So I mentioned before about when we founded the company and we wanted to try to um, improve or help and relieve that burden. And I guess one of the many challenges that defence continues to have, particularly from a technology perspective, is that there's so much technology out there. It's really hard to stay on top of the breadth of different equipments and technologies that they need to be across. And so when you've got defence people, whether it be soldiers, sailor, air people, um, they really need to be focused on the things that only defence can do. And so this is where UBH comes in. We can then essentially relieve that burden, provide training support, provide deep technical expertise where it doesn't have to be a uniform person doing that. Tell me about your the, the staff that you have on the books and where are they based? Are they are they all in Australia? Um, so at this point in time, yes, all, all in Australia. Um, interestingly is that we started the company right in the middle of COVID and so that essentially meant that we had to start in a fully distributed, fully remote um, environment. And so this has really come, um, I guess, quite easy to us to, to have a distributed workforce. Um, so our workforce at the moment is distributed across Australia. We've got a big presence in Brisbane, big, big presence in Canberra, naturally where a lot of roads for defence lead to, but also some staff in Perth, uh, Melbourne, and um, uh, yeah, they're probably the, the, key, the key locations. Was it, you mentioned COVID there, was it hard getting started during the middle of lockdown? Because a lot of businesses globally had a lot of trouble trying to weave their way through, through that. Some businesses flourished, thrived, and others did not do so well. So where, where did you sit uh, in the middle of, of COVID? I think we were probably somewhere in between. And the reason why I say that is because as a result of COVID, particularly defence was having to relook at how they actually achieved a lot of their training outcomes. So instead of being able to fly everyone to a centralised location, they had to change. They had to move into a more distributed, blended um, approach for training, delivery and support. That being said is that that comes with significant change management and for an institution like Defence, um, which is grounded in you know hundreds of years of uh, uh, sort of our uh, basis, it's very hard to change. Um, so we were somewhere in, in between. So it was being driven by a need, but we had to step through that typical change management process to get an effective and good solution for Defence. How on earth do you pick your way through the bureaucracy of Defence? Because you look at it and it just seems like this enormous structure. I'm, I'm keen to know your secret sauce there in, in, 
and trying to weave your way through to get actually getting stuff done? That's a really interesting question, Justin. Um, I definitely think patience comes to mind, but I also now realize that this really goes to the strengths of, of UBH is that we've been in the system, we understand the system, we know how to navigate the system, or at least we know the people that we need to speak to to navigate it. Um, in some instances, as I said before, um, I joined Defence when I was 17 years old. In a lot of ways, I know nothing else. That being said is that the experiences that I had, particularly in the large US company, which I'm very, very grateful for, I saw the other side of the fence where you can be very, very quick to um, introduce technology. Um, you have to be uh, quick to deal with market conditions. And so, again, I think this is about bridging that gap. It's about being patient and understanding, still trying to push the envelope where we need to, but being mindful of that it is a bureaucracy. Who are your other co-founders? Tell me, tell me about the, the high level uh, of, of UBH. Who's, who sits at the top with you? What does that look like? Uh, so there's actually four directors of the company. So um, three full-time directors and one non-executive director. Um, the uh, chief operations officer, Greg Underwood, who sort of sits next to me, uh, we've known each other for many, many years and arguably have had quite a similar background. One of the things that I would say about Greg is that although we've had a very similar background, it's quite unique to see how differently we think. And certainly as CEO and one of the directors, I'm very mindful of the need and our desire and our plan to have more diversity of thought. That being said, it's it's very it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's certainly a challenge for all of us in defence industry where it is dominated by a male sort of um, environment there. So we do as much as we can to encourage more women into defence industry and have a balanced uh, management and leadership team. What's the competitive landscape like, Jeff? Are there other UBHs out there trying to do the same sort of thing that you guys are doing? I'll, I'll say yes and no. Um, there's certainly many other um, professional services, technology-focused companies I don't think that there's companies out there that have our same level of um, experience, particularly in um, areas such as um, ICT, information warfare, which includes things like signals intelligence and electronic warfare. And I also don't think there's probably as much as the operational and hands-on experience that we bring to the party as, as well. Now, I understand the business is going well. I've got a note here saying it's booming. So what's What's behind that? Oh, what I'd first of all say, Justin, is that I'm always very cautious of trying to say things like defence business is booming. It's not our sort of approach. And the reason why it's not our approach is because if defence industry is booming, it probably means that there's an ADF person somewhere across the globe who may be in harm's way. Um, so we don't like to gloat about that. We're, we're not we're not warmongers or anything like that. But we are passionate about supporting diggers, supporting the ADF. And I, I we're probably going to talk about the Defence Strategic Review shortly. You only need to look in the first couple of pages about why defence industry is on a growth um, trajectory and why there needs to be more of a national look at how um, defence is supported. What's the um, state of your balance sheet? Are you, are you profitable as a business? Yes, absolutely. Um, that being said is that that's come with 
a lot of sleepless nights, like many <laughs> founders, I'm sure that yeah, your listeners would probably um, uh, uh, resonate with. Uh, it's it's also taken a lot of sacrifice, um, both both on a personal level, a family level. I mean, I, there's no way that any of the founders could have done what we've done without the support of our family. But we've also been very very deliberate. For example all the reinvesting that we've been doing. Um, we've just continued to um, be in that growth mindset, looking after our people from both a um, our own staff, but also our customers and doing the right things. So I think these, these are all achievable when you've got that long-term mindset. Now, I did see that UBH recently recruited one of the Army's most respected leaders, retired Brigadier Ian Langford. How did that come about? A couple of reasons. I, I think your listeners like hearing um, good stories. It was actually one of our directors in Canberra, uh, Tim Lawrence. Uh, their sons go to karate school together. Yes. And, um, he was, I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I think that was on a Saturday and they just happened to um, um, have a bit of a chat and he'd recently left Defence and we just asked whether he'd be open to exploring opportunities. Um, but... The, the other um, part is that we previously served with Ian. So Ian has always been one of our respected leaders. Um, he's always been a mentor to us and just a genuine good human, just a great person. Uh, but that being said, it's just because we had those previous relationships or even mateships with him. I don't think that's what actually um, uh, uh, enticed him to come on. I sort of sort of uh, think about um, advice that I had previously is that even the chief of army needs a second job. And so whether you're a digger, um, a sailor who may have only spent four years in defence or you've spent 34 years in defence, everyone I think goes through that um, finding yourself again and trying to think who am I outside of defence? What, what do I want to do? What's my passion again? And I think as uh, I started to describe our values our passion, our vision to Ian, I think that's what he really connected with. And whilst none of us are actually trying to replicate what we had in defence, we're, we're trying to look at those common values, those common goals that we still want to achieve, it, it, albeit from a defence industry perspective. Jeff, I've heard of a lot of business being done on the golf course. This is, this is an example of one being done off to the side of a dojo mat. <laughs> I think you're right. That's absolutely. <laughs> well, you mentioned the Defence Strategic Review. It got a lot of headlines recently. What were your thoughts on it? So for UBH, because of the deep expertise that we provide in technology and our deep um, domain knowledge, we, we believe this represents a huge opportunity for us. It really demonstrates or can show us how we continue on with what we're already providing. Um, it's a huge opportunity because um, it essentially signals things like a uh, requirement to have additional speed to capability. And I think a lot of people really just go straight to, towards saying, oh, that's more military off the shelf from the US. Like I said before, I used to work in a large US company and I realise I've got real-time experience where it's not just about buying stuff from overseas. There's um, contextualize aspects of what needs to be done here at Australia. Um, there's aspects of um, integration across many different vendors, many different um, original equipment manufacturers. 
there's a contextualized aspect of how do we make this right for the way that Australia and the ADF does business. That's what UBH is good at. That's what we're great at. That's what we want to continue to do. And that's why it represents um, a significant opportunity for us. So what impact do you think the strategic review will have on the future of the ADF? I'm also very optimistic about that. Um, The reason why I say I'm optimistic is that, as the Defence Minister said, this is one of the most significant reviews since World War II. And so with that in mind, this document is essentially the strategic demand signal to say defence must do things differently. Um, if, If Australia as a nation is going to be prepared, they must do things differently. And that means that they can take a... Uh, more risk-based, calculated method to introduce a lot of these capabilities. Um, They talk about not seeking perfection. What that actually uh, means, particularly from a UBH perspective, is providing that subject matter expertise from a systems engineering perspective and saying where things can be progressed more rapidly. Why can it why can it be progressed more rapidly? And here's what the benefits for defense will be, and indeed the nation. The thing that strikes me whenever I look at defence is that the timelines are incredibly long. You're talking sometimes about 20 to 30 and even longer years into the future. How do you reconcile all of that and the spend, the money that's involved um, with, I suppose, the you know passing the pub test or the, the punter reaction to, oh, it's defence, there's another you know, 40, 50 billion being deployed? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, another really good question, Justin. And I think what I'd say now, this also goes to the strength of UBH and many of our staff, is that now that we've seen it from both sides, we've seen it when we've been in uniform and have been mandated to make sure that we adhere to all defence and government policies, processes, things like the um, Procurement Act, for example. But then we've also now been on the industry side, so not only from a large defence contractor, but also now as a small to medium enterprise. And we feel the pain, and I'll use that word quite specifically, the the financial pain of those revenues, highs and lows. And what does that mean when things are taking so long? Uh, We see both sides and have felt it emotionally. So, So what does that mean? I think we're in a unique position where we can communicate that and I think I used the words before about bridging that gap. How do we actually um, communicate in a way so that we can achieve mutual benefit? Then I guess to go more specifically to your question is that um, that seeking perfection, which was spoken about when the DSI was released, in my opinion, or let's say my observation is that that can really go to the systems engineering processes, which are just taking so long. Um, Defence is now in a position where they can be far more pragmatic about what needs to be done there um, based off a calculated risk-taking approach. Let's look ahead now. What are your plans for the future of the business? Where do you see UBH, say, over the next 12 months, even further ahead, five years? Yeah, so we've got a few priorities. Um, I'll sort of um, summarise it. So number one, it's solidifying our existing accounts. Uh, those key accounts that we have at the moment is our ICT or information communication technologies account, um, our engineering account, um, our information warfare account, and also our operational management account. So we want to continue to put the foundations in for those accounts. Uh, the second step is growth. Um, it's really focused on the growth of our cyber account 
and also um, our uh, space account. Just a point on space that was also touched on in Defence Strategic Review. One of the things that UBH brings is the ability to essentially cross-level a lot of our skills across those other accounts into the space domain. So that's another part. Um, I guess one of the other things, particularly with Ian joining us as well, uh, your listeners may also know that Ian is an associate professor at UNSW teaching cyber and world politics. We want to continue to look at that and see how we can actually leverage not only his experience, his skills, join that into the growth of our cyber account, and then look at other government departments um, in Australia and indeed other organisations um, outside of government and defence at the state level as well. They're probably our key priorities at the moment. Well, it's a very interesting space, Jeff. Thank you so much for your time today. A lot of people very interested in the area in which you're operating and your insights have been terrific. Jeff Batten, CEO of UBH Group, thank you for your time and all the very best in the years ahead. Thanks, Justin. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you.